What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. Here's your host, Alex Garrett. You know, legislation can be actually used for good, uh, no matter what you hear on the headlines about legislation. Some of it, a lot of it, is used for good. And it's evident to me that the right to counsel law, which my next guest has been part of the fight to enact back in 2017, is showing results. In fact, if you looked at the headline, if you looked here in New York City, evictions are down. And uh, I'm going to bring on Oksana Miranova. You are the housing policy analyst at Community Service Society of New York. Oksana, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So it looks like your found findings came out this week. And let's first talk about your push to get evictions lowered here in New York, decreased. Sure, yeah. Um, so we are um, the Community Service Society of New York. We're an anti-poverty organization, um, and I work as a housing policy um, here. And we're, um, we've are we been working with the Right to Counsel Coalition, um, first in the push to um, get the Right to Counsel, right to counsel law passed, um, which happened at the end of 2017. Um, and over the last uh, two years since um, the law has been on the books, we've been um, working on some research to kind of keep track of whether um, whether or not it's working, uh, whether or not we're actually seeing an impact of the legislation on evictions. Um, and um, to to just kind of explain of what what right to counsel is, it sure. basically. Um, the the way um, the law works is that if you're um, a tenant um, who is facing an eviction in housing court um, and you earn under uh, 200% of the federal poverty line um, by 2022, every single person um, who fits uh, fits those criteria uh, will be eligible for a free lawyer um, when they get to housing court. Um, it's um, because it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big change. Um, it's being rolled out zip, zip code by zip code, and right now it's active um, in 25 zip codes. Aixana, I, I saw stats online after <clears throat> this announcement was made. With legal counsel, tenants can be saved from eviction uh, at a higher rate. Is that right? Like 30, it jumped from what, 10 or 11 to 38 percent I had seen with, with legal counsel involved? I'm sorry, can you uh, repeat the question? Uh, what was, where was the jump? So there was a jump I had seen from those who didn't have legal counsel to those who did. There's an increase when they have legal uh, guidance and representation that keep them in the apartments and the housing complexes. Uh, Like they're avoiding evictions a lot more, which is good, uh, I would say, with legal representation. 
Yeah. Um, so the um, the research done by the um, the Office of uh, Civil Justice, um, which is a it's a uh, a city, basically a city department. Their internal research has shown that um, the the number of people, the, the the share of people who get to stay in their homes um, when they have legal counsel has been at 84%, um, and that was consistent over two years. So that was um, 2018 and 2019, um, which is which is a really um, you know like if you're thinking about statistics, it's a really good result. Um, and um, that makes sense just because what our partners have seen over the course of um, the last decade is that often when tenants get to housing court um, and um, the, the majority before before the inaction of right to counsel didn't have a lawyer um, when they got to housing court. Um, and it's a really, if you've never been in housing court, it's a really kind of chaotic place that's really confusing. Um, even even if you're not, if you're just there without facing the possibility of eviction, that's kind of like a, a confusing place to be in. So um, often what ends up happening is that tenants, uh, landlord lawyers would um, either coerce or um, just uh, confuse tenants um, to sign uh, to, to, to basically sign documents that were not in their favor, and if they had a lawyer, um, they would not sign. Um, so, the the kind of like the, the the results of right to counsel are not surprising given given um, that that background. So you guys work hand in hand. What what? How can people help out CSS and why? And um, give us more examples of why you guys exist to help those that are under the poverty that are trying to stay in their homes to this very day? Um, so for CSS, um, we're, we've, uh, CSS has been around for 170 years and our um, mission has always been to work, uh, to, um, to basically work on both in direct service, but also on kind of like the policy level uh, to help low-income people in the city, um, and the way that has looked obviously has changed over 170 years because the city has changed a lot over the past 170 years. Sure. Um, yeah, so this uh, this campaign seemed really important to us just because it gets at one of the um, very important reasons for housing instability among low-income New Yorkers because if you face an eviction, um, and if you're evicted in housing court, it sort of follows you through um, in your housing church, uh, in your housing searches, um, over over your overlay, not just the kind of the immediate term of the trauma of facing an eviction, but um, as you look for apartments afterwards, whenever a landlord does um, a, a kind of like a housing court check on you, it comes up. Um, often landlords don't rent to people who have evictions, so it sort of um, creates this mark that follows you around. Well, has this act has this act helped reduce homelessness? Actually, is this because we all talk about how we have to combat homelessness? Here we are, and yet it's not getting enough coverage that I, from what I could see, that it should that this rule and and the results of the law uh, should be publicized more. 
Yeah, so um, it's definitely, we definitely see um, a reduction in evictions. Um, I think that we, there is not enough data yet to say whether or not it has had an impact on homelessness. Um, just because uh, the process of some people who get evicted often um, might end up in the shelter, um, but the process to getting to a shelter um, isn't necessarily that direct for, for many people where you might have an eviction in your past and you might hold through and have um, increasingly unstable housing situations and then end up in the shelter later. Um, so, yeah, I think that the the kind of like drop in evictions, um, we haven't seen the same type of drop in homelessness, but um, I think there's we need a little bit more time to, to make that judgment. Well, and... and uh... Let's talk about City Hall for a minute. Obviously, the mayor's office tweeted that these evictions went down. Uh, What's the role been? You know, in the media, he's gotten a lot of heat for the homelessness crisis. But how have they been working with you guys in this effort to keep people in their homes? Well, so um, the um, the administration through the the office of um, of civil justice, they're the ones who are responsible for kind of um, funneling the money to the legal services administration, uh, to the legal services community um, to actually represent people. Um, and I know that that office has been working very closely with both um, the Right to Counsel Coalition, but also with um, groups like the Legal Aid Society, um, legal services um, to um, to basically make sure that uh, the legal service providers have the resources they need to do their jobs uh, within housing court. Now, personally, I know when uh, for you, when you, you submit a study like this, it's got to give you a lot of hope and a lot of, you know, excitement that, yes, we are changing a course here in New York. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see um, often with uh, with policy, you don't see immediate results. Um, and it's been uh, it's definitely exciting to see actual drops in eviction that we can attribute to right to counsel. Now, would you be able to tell us what, what the process is for screening those that are being evicted? Like, what, do you know how in-depth they go with the screening and, and bring in to help those that are being evicted? Um, so I'm not uh, because I don't do legal services work. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that um, because it's a so it's a right to counsel, right? So it's a it's a right. Um, so as long as you fit the criteria, the geographic criteria, criteria where you live in a zip code where right to counsel is currently active, um, and you fit the income criteria. Um, that's that's basically it. So you get to housing court, um, and there's someone there to make that determination, and then you have the choice of um, getting an attorney or not. I'm talking with Oksana Maranova. She's at the CSSNY. And uh, Oksana, your role there, but you were involved from the very beginning with the studies to first, uh, when this idea, when this law started to be uh, formulated, right? You were kind of there from the beginning? Um, so no, because the um, the organizing for the campaign began in uh, 2014. Um, I joined CSS in 2017. So uh, we did one analysis right on the like basically at the cusp of when the law was enacted. Sure. Um, but the campaign uh, predated predated our involvement. And and so New Yorkers today uh, can can sort of be happy that they're they are seeing that city hall and city council is doing results and uh, 
that's a big part of it too because often we criticize our council members but they're doing something good with this act absolutely yeah um and the two the two city council members who really champions um this this law were um mark levine uh from manhattan and vanessa gibson from the from the bronx um and they they've been super involved um kind of like in the, both the passing the law the implementation um, and now um, we're talking about expansion as well, and they're continuing to be champions of this. Well, what what expansion, if you could touch on that for a minute? Yeah, sure. So um, right now the threshold for eligibility for right to counsel is 200% of the federal poverty line. Um, it's uh, a pretty – it um, gets at the people who are the most in need, but uh, since the New York City housing market – um, is pretty tough for moderate income people too. Uh, we've been calling for expanding to lifting that threshold uh, to 400% of the federal poverty line. Um, but when and, and that would happen after the law is fully implemented in 2022. Um, so that's one. That's kind of one part of it. And the other part of it is um, asking the administration and the city to um, provide funding for. Um, organizers to do education um, in communities where right to counsel is currently um, in place. So basically um, making sure that people who might be uh, facing an eviction in the near future um, know about the fact that they have this right before they get to housing court. Now, you're, you're producing such good news, but I'm sure there has your findings uh, been criticized as well? Have you found any critics uh, amongst uh, reviewing your findings or have you all have you found pretty positive reviews of it? Um, with this, we haven't gotten that much pushback. Um, it's less there's other tenant protection um, laws that, uh, for example, the expansion of the rent laws that have gotten a little bit more a little bit more pushback from the real estate community with this. Um, it's uh, generally has been pretty positive. Which is good. I mean, I a family member was evicted years ago, and it just was oh, a wow. heartbreaking experience. And yeah. um, so you could tell that this, this is home for me because it's like uh, we need to reduce it the best we can. And uh, opinionated, uh, opinion-wise, I'm not a big fan of the way landlords conduct their business. I don't know if you cover that in studies, the way landlords operate, but I'm sure you can attest to that sentiment as well yeah um so with the with the the kind of the the set of data that we're working with it's really um it's pretty narrow so we can't get at landlord behavior that much just because it says like uh was a person evicted in in this um zip code or not so that's kind of the um the 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 shape of the data that we're working with, but um, we work with a lot of, um, through the coalition, we work with a lot of tenant organizers um, who do actual work on the ground. Um, and there's, yeah, there's absolutely landlords who um, clear, try to clear buildings by just um, filing evictions for every single person in their building, whether or not they have done anything wrong uh, to uh, basically force people out. So that's definitely, it's definitely there as well. Um, let me ask you this. Are there any complementary data that you are working on as well or studies working in side by side with this um, eviction study? 
Um, yeah, so this is the work, um, the uh, report that we put out is based on executed evictions. So that's evictions that actually um, go through the process in housing court um, and end in a official eviction where a marshal comes to a person's house and takes their stuff out. Um, there's also um, another data set that we're just starting to work with that looks at eviction filings. Uh, so there's last year, there's about 16,000 evictions in the city, but there was um, something like 175,000 filings. So that's when a landlord brings the initial case to housing court. Um, and um, what we know anecdotally is that lots of people, when you go from a, a number as big as 175,000 to 16,000, lots of people leave um, before the eviction actually takes place. Uh, so that's an interesting analysis to see if um, right to counsel is impacting um, landlord behavior um, and whether or not um, their landlords are filing less uh, because right to because tenants now have uh, legal representation um, if the geography of where the filings are happening has changed at all. So that's that's our next analysis that we're that we're working on. And I wonder if you guys are going to do an emotional study of this. I mean, I'm not sure if that's your wheelhouse or not, but the emotional impact, the threats of eviction, the idea that you could be, I mean, that wears and tears on New Yorkers facing this this dire crisis. Absolutely, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have um, we don't have the capacity to do that because that's really that's a quantitative study um, that uh, you basically need like a staff of interviewers to go out and do that type of work. But yeah, I mean that is um, it's something that's often difficult to measure, but is at the forefront um, of all of this. Well, I look forward to seeing ccsny.org's studying uh, studies moving along on this. And obviously this conversation isn't done here. So please come back with what you guys find uh, in the near future. Great. Thank you. I've been talking with Oksana Miranova. She is the housing policy analyst, one of them at the ccny.org. Uh, I highly recommend you uh, visit their site and where can they follow you and stay in touch with you if they're interested in more information from you Oksana sure um, people can follow me on Twitter um, and it's my uh, my first and last name Oksana Mironova um, with the at sign well we will uh, we will find you there so Oksana Mironova thanks so much for joining me today and please keep up the great work and the great studies thank you thanks I'm Alex Garrett. We are going to change New York's mindset here. We're going to change the narrative that everything's lost here in New York. No, there there are some wins going on, and we're going to keep you posted on it. Have a great rest of your Leap Day weekend. That's right, Leap Day weekend. Talk to you soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.